0: Hello and welcome to the HopeCast with Rachel Flick. Rachel is a speaker, inspirational author, and an overcomer. As Rachel is walking through her own journey of grief, she's challenging others to persevere and overcome their own circumstances. Find out more at rachelflick.com. Here now is your host, Rachel Flick.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to this special episode of the HopeCast with Rachel Flick. Today I'm honored to bring you my guest, Colonel Allen West, at the National Religious Broadcasting Convention. Colonel Allen West is a Christian, constitutional, conservative, combat veteran, and a former member of the U.S. Congress. He served in the military for 21 years and received numerous awards and decorations, including the Bronze Star, Meritorious Service Medal, and Army Commendation Medal. After retiring from the Army, West taught U.S. history and coached track and field at Deerfield Beach High School in Florida. In 2008, he entered politics as the Republican nominee for Florida's 22nd Congressional District, losing to the Democratic incumbent, Ron Klein. However, he won the seat in 2010 midterm elections. In 2020, Allen West became the new state chairman of the Republican Party of Texas and on June 4, 2021, announced his resignation. Colonel Allen West is the author of "We Can Overcome: An American Black Conservative Manifesto." Colonel West, thank you so much for joining me here today.
2: My pleasure to be with you, Rachel. And you forgot the most important part. Tell me what. We're both Kansas State Wildcats. I could
1: not believe that that we are both uh, purple-blooded. Ema. Ema, all the way. Every man a Wildcat. I love it. And I, my grandparents are from Manhattan, and I always remember all of the practice bombing happening at Fort Riley, (laughs) where you said you were stationed. Yep,
2: I was stationed there at Fort Riley from 1988 to 1991. As a matter of fact, 10 years ago, uh, I was deployed to Operation Desert Shield, Desert Storm from Fort Riley in the 1st Infantry Division, and that's when I went over after that and uh, began teaching ROTC at Mm. Kansas State.
1: Thank you so much for your service. My pleasure. I really, really appreciate that and everything that you have given to our country. Mm-hmm. I think that mm-hmm. um, there is a bond there between law enforcement and the military and just what you sacrifice we're and what your guardians. family sacrifices.
2: Yes, we're both guardians.
1: Yeah, that means so much. Yeah. Um, so the thing that really stood out to me in your... Um, bio was about your bronze star and that might be a hard place to start your story but would you tell me a little bit about your service?
2: Look you know my service goes back to my dad who was a corporal Mm. in the United States Army. He served in World War II. My older brother was a Marine in Vietnam. He served uh, there and uh, you know I was challenged by my dad at the age of fifteen to be the first officer in the family and you know my nephew is now serving. He's Mm. a lieutenant colonel in the army, three combat tours of duty. So that's just what we do in our family, service, sacrifice and commitment. Mm. And uh, you know, it's it's not about awards or rewards or whatever, it's about the duty. It's about the oath that you take to support and defend the constitution of the United States of America. Mm. That's it.
1: I felt like I heard a motto in there. Did you say service, sacrifice, and commitment? Absolutely. Wow. Wow, that is just such a powerful statement mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. And what brought you in your family culture to embody that? I mean, you that's not just like in the air, like humidity, right? Like that's something that you train up in your children.
2: Well, you know, it says in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way that they should go. So when they grow old, they shall not depart from it. And so when you have, you know, a dad like I had Mm. that uh, served this great nation at a time when it did not see him as being equal to others, Mm. but he never held anything against this nation. And I remember him saying that there's no greater honor than to wear the uniform of the United States of America. And you think about what he set forth from his humble service in World War II, like I said, with my older brother, who served in combat in Vietnam as a Marine, myself, and now my nephew, uh, his his grandson. So that's Mm -hmm. what it is all about, what we pass down from generation to generation. And I think that America is always going to be a great nation. Our communities are always going to be strong as long as we continue to raise the next generation of young men and young women mm-hmm. that understand uh, what it means to put your life on the line for something that is greater than yourself.
1: Mm, something greater than yourself. I think that that's huge. There's a cultural trend, right? That the, mm-hmm. the single sum is the individual, right? Yeah. That there's nothing more valuable than the individual, whether it be the family or the culture or the community at large. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really powerful to be able to see um, the value of the larger group.
2: Well, it, it has to be that way. And you think about over the years, that's what has sustained these United States of America. And, mm. and I know that your, your husband was a law enforcement agent. And you mm-hmm. think about those law enforcement officers that every day, they're committed yeah. to making sure that our, uh, our communities are safe and that people can lay their heads down at, at night. And it mm. all comes back to you know, a couple of scriptures from the Bible. For me, it's Isaiah 6 and 8, when Isaiah is standing there before the host of the Lord. Mm. And the Lord says, whom shall we send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, "Here am I, send me." Mm-hmm. And so you think about soldiers, sailors, airmen marines, coast guardsmen, law enforcement agents, that's what they say. "Here am I, send me." Wow. And then of course, the other verse is John 15:13, where it says, "There's no greater love that uh, a man has than to lay down his life for his friends or for another." Mm. And that's the kind of the code. Yeah. that uh, we live by. Like I said, the service, the sacrifice and the commitment mm-hmm. which is a model after Jesus Christ.
1: Yes, it is. I um, When I was taking my children to see grandma yesterday, I was wearing a t-shirt that said no greater love yeah. and that that's been kind of the motto that we have branded our Micah shirts with mm-hmm. um, that he laid down his life for his partner and, um, you know, we talk about People's deaths being senseless, that their mm. that their loss didn't matter, yeah. and um, I would say that I would stand in stark contrast sure. against that. That it's their their death and their sacrifice that actually is the the glue that holds our nation together.
2: It is, and that's the important thing of a day like Memorial Day, which mm. should be every day. But whenever I speak on Memorial Day, I tell those of us that are still on this side of the grass mm-hmm. that our challenge is to tell the stories of those that are pushing up the grass now. Yeah. To, to challenge people to go walk among the gardens of stone where the ground is fertilized by the blood of those mm-hmm. who made the sacrifice and is watered by the tears of those who... Who have lost their loved ones and so if we continue to tell those stories and not let certain individuals or certain ideologies go out and retell their history or revise their history or completely mm-hmm. eliminate their history then we will preserve that which is great about this country and it's just the same that we face with our christian faith if we don't go out as strong Christians and talk about our faith and talk about that, that person that gave his life for mm-hmm. us, Jesus Christ, then, you know, we will not do what he said in the Great Commission mm-hmm. was for us to go out and make disciples. We will not live up to what he said, you know, from the cross is that if, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Mm-hmm. Well, how do we continue to make sure that he is lifted up? By our voices every day.
1: Wow. That's so eloquent and so beautiful. I love the way that you talked about the tears and the blood that have been invested, that have been sown Absolutely. on our behalf of those of us who are still here. You also talked a little bit about historical revisionism and people mm-hmm. creating a new narrative. Would you tell me more about that?
2: Well, I think that that's what we see right now and the challenge for this country is this critical race theory Mm. and all of the uh, the changing and revision of history. You know, one of the important things being here in Texas is the Alamo, because we remember Mm. the defenders of the Alamo. Right. But there was a book that just came out earlier this month that is uh, entitled Forget the Alamo, the Rise and Fall of an American Myth. Wow. And so you think about, you know, here that was written by three individuals in Texas, that just completely, you know, tries to undermine and destroy the heroic efforts, the mm. the heroism of those men, 183, for 13 days, who stood against 3,000, that enable us to be here in the Lone Star State. So, if we continue to allow people to revise this history, to tell us because of the fact that your skin color is a certain way, that you uh, are. You know, you're a hateful person, you're an oppressor, and because my skin color is a little bit different, I'm a victim and I'm oppressed. Mm. That's not, you know, who we are as Americans. Mm. And so we have got to make sure that we're telling the right history, the good, bad, the ugly, the indifferent, so that we learn from it and uh, we don't allow people to say that they're going to be the arbiters of what is uh, told as far as history.
1: Mm. I'm hearing a lot about critical race theory right Absolutely. now in, in culture and mainstream media. Could you describe that a little bit for us?
2: Well, what I just said, critical race theory basically says if you have skin color that is white, you're bad. Okay. And if you have skin color that is black, you're a victim. Hmm. And I refuse to, to, to believe in that because, again, the, the men and women that I serve with in uniform, it wasn't about the skin color. It's about one single thing. The oath that they took to support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America. Mm. Just the same as with your husband. It wasn't about skin color. It was about that person that stood with them on a thin blue line to make sure that they protected uh, the communities. And they lived up to their, uh, their oath to serve and protect. Mm. So when we have this uh, this new Marxism that really becomes a religious belief for some people to try to separate and divide us based upon Uh, racial lines that's not a good and healthy thing for our country
1: Mm. so we just recently passed Juneteenth Yeah, and I saw a meme and it was very powerful the picture was of the image of of potential slaves who had chosen to jump into the ocean Mm. instead of become slaves and the meme said something it's so interesting because there's so many powerful words and ideas out there With a little bit of truth in them, and then just enough of a lie that Mm -hmm. take you off course and off course and off course. And what the meme said is that slavery never ended. It just transformed. If you were to hear someone say that to you, what would you say in response?
2: Well, first of all, when I think about Juneteenth and and what it means out here in Texas, it's an emancipation day. Mm -hmm. It's a day when we break the bonds of physical uh, physical enslavement. That's what it represented. But when you look at some of the early blacks that were you know, slave, enslaved here and then became free in Texas, their lives were not defined by what they were. Their lives were defined about what they thought they could become. And so you think about, you know, like State Senator Matthew Gaines, a black man, who was a state senator here in the, in the uh, Republican Party of Texas, and the fact that he was instrumental in the founding of Texas A&M University, mm. and Prairie View A&M University. Uh, you think about uh, state representative G.T. Ruby. You think about some of the early successful businessmen that were here. So we should not be looking back and trying to have a continuous slave mentality mm. because I think that is a way that people try to continue to elevate and exert power and control over you. And in many ways, this new slavery that you see, this economic enslavement that you see is very dangerous because it destroys your will. It destroys your determination. It destroys your drive. And if you're a Christian, uh, you're supposed to be more than a conqueror. You're not supposed to be a victim. You're supposed mm-hmm. to be above all of that. And the only thing that you're supposed to be a slave to is your love of Jesus Christ and his gospel, and his word, not slave to another man.
1: Hmm. So, I think, you know, when we have limiting beliefs, when we have places where we are stuck, which is what I'm hearing you mm-hmm. say, is that we are stuck in a mindset of victimhood.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What is the win? And you said to me, the win for someone is to maintain power and control Absolutely. over a group of people. Who who gets the win here? Where is the power and control? And what do they have to gain from keeping people in this mentality of slavery?
2: Well, it becomes the new plantation, where mm. if you keep people on that new plantation, you are empowered. And it's, it's kind of like as long as you keep grievances in front of people and they continue to bind to the grievances, they continue to bind to being a victim, mm. they elevate you into a, a position of power over them And you always get to stay in that position of power. And to me, that's the most heinous thing, is that Mm -hmm. you're not looking at people and trying to help them to elevate themselves, to help them to, you know, the motto of the United States Army when I came in was be all you can be. Mm -hmm. That should be the focus of what we do for subsequent generations. Not keep them, you know, trapped in some socioeconomic uh, plantation where they're continually seeing themselves generation upon generation as being enslaved or being a victim or, Mm -hmm. you know, things along that nature. And that's very traumatic when you run into young people that that believe there's nothing that I can do. There's no place that I can go. I will always be stuck in this this community, this neighborhood, this way of life. Uh, The second, third generation welfare, the second and third Mm -hmm. generation that every single day they wake up in Section 8 housing. It's not what my dad taught me. It's Mm -hmm. not what my mom taught me. And I think that we need to do better in saying, once again, that we're victors and not victims.
1: I mean, you know, we talked about how you can have this piece of truth and it looks so powerful. And yet if there's enough of a lie, it will take you Mm -hmm. off of alignment over time. And you're telling me that your family um, motto, service, sacrifice, and commitment, and that you've are four generations in now. Is that correct?
2: That's absolutely correct. And, and the thing is, when you talk about the, the, the minute lie, mm. it's just the same okay. as when you're out, you know, back in the day before GPS and all of this <laughs> stuff, when you had a compass and you had a map. Yeah. Well, you had to set your azimuth on that compass mm. and you had to stay true to that azimuth. But if all of a sudden you deviate one degree off of that azimuth and you continue to deviate one degree off that azimuth, the next thing you know, you're so far off the original path that you're supposed to mm-hmm. be going on. Mm-hmm. And it's just because of one degree. Yeah. And so we've got to make sure we always have the course correction. Because one degree over a period of time can become 10 degrees, right. 15, 20 degrees, and then you're lost. Right. And I think that that's what we see happening yeah. in, sadly, many of our inner city communities. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in an inner city. But when you decimate the family... Mm. when you undermine the Judeo-Christian faith heritage, when you try to replace God with the big G, with government with a little g, and mm. that's where people put their faith. God
1: for government. Yeah, that'll preach. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, you,
2: and now you see where we are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so we've seen this generational spread, right? Mm-hmm. And and we have your family and your investment in this country. I'm hearing you believe in this country. You you committed Absolutely. yourself to it politically, which is uh, probably a different sacrifice, right? No, but
2: it's, but it's, a, it's a right sacrifice. And so mm. I, would, I would always ask people, show me a country where a kid like me, born in 1961 in a blacks-only hospital, mm. can grow up and become a battalion commander in the United States Army, command 600 troops in a combat, become a member of the United States House of Representatives, become the chairman of the largest state Republican Party in the United States of America, mm. all from starting off in a blacks-only hospital. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen anywhere else. It happens here because if you believe in the fundamentals of this country, mm-hmm. if you see yourself as a victor and not a victim, if you have two parents mm-hmm. in the home that train you up in the way that you should go so yeah. that when you grow old you shall not depart from it, then this is the result. Mm-hmm.
1: So I have a couple of theories on this. Can I bounce them off of you? Because I have a really hard
2: head, so it's going <laughs> to bounce pretty good. So.
1: I have two theories about this. I think one of the things that we're really struggling with in these differentiations of mindset is fatherlessness.
2: Huge issue.
1: Um, you know, that we, have, we do not have many two-parent homes in the African-American community. Twenty-four percent now. Wow. It wow. used to be
2: 77 when I was born.
1: That is incredible. And the other theory that I have that I want to bounce off of you and just kind of have this mutual conversation is that um, African tribalism is an oral tradition, right? They pass Mm -hmm. down their history through Mm -hmm. stories from one tradition Mm -hmm. or from one generation to the next. And um, I know about vicarious trauma right? When you hear of the trauma of someone coming before you, Mm -hmm. you yourself create a traumatic experience around it. You create a mental imagery. You create the sensation as if it's happening in your own body. And that's how these traditions have been passed down Mm -hmm. from generation to generation. And when you look at how stuck we are, Right. And and so radically opposed. I mean, we've seen it in 2020. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we can't be friends. We can't have a conversation. We can't even communicate if you're in a different political party than I am, mm-hmm. which is absolutely not going to bring anyone together or cause any kind of. Um, positive outcome on either side really right like both both places have stuck their heels into the ground and so i just say that we have got to have these conversations about it um but i have this perception that we told this story over and over in such a way that we've continued to traumatize the incoming generations Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I can tell from your story, and we we haven't got there yet, and I hope that we do in one of these episodes that we're recording, but I know that you know trauma because you've seen combat and you've received awards for that. And so... um, One of the questions that that you even bring to the table here is, what do you do for the healing of that trauma? Like, how do you um, run towards that roar, embrace that pain?
2: Sure, that's a very tough thing. You know, one of the things they teach you in the military is you move to the sound of the guns Mm. when you're in combat. Now, when I was a battalion commander and my my assignment was here in Fort Hood, Texas. You know, I, I pulled the, the troops together because there are only two individuals in this entire battalion who had previously been in combat. It was myself mm. and my senior enlisted uh, command sergeant major. And what I tried to get them to understand is the person that you are here, when you set foot on that airplane that's going to take you over there, you got to leave that person here. Mm. Because you're going to be called upon to be a different person. You're going to be a warrior. You got, you're, you're trained to do this. But the other thing is that when your mission over there is over, You've got to really work hard. The person that you were over there, leave them there when you get on the plane to come back over here. And you have to reestablish and refine that person that you were here. And that's hard for a lot of people to be able to do is to be able to separate themselves and, and, you know, almost compartmentalize. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that takes a really strong faith. Yeah. To be able to do it, and I think that's again why it's so important that you know in law enforcement in the military Mm. that you are rooted in a strong faith. Now, you know, coming back to what you said as far as the oral history and telling the traditions, you know, my dad and mom were born in 1920 and 1931 respectively, Mm. and grew up down south. But my dad and mom did not share the stories of their upbringing to try to, you know, cast right. their pain on the That's onto not me. the intent. No, the intent was to just say, hey, this is, this is history. Mm-hmm. This is what we went through. Because you have to learn from history in order to make sure you don't repeat it. But what they would always reinforce, and one of my dad's great sayings was that, son, you go out and you find out what the standard is, and you commit yourself to exceed it. Because no one can really hold you back. The only thing that can hold you back is your own mentality. Mm -hmm. And so I think, again, when we're talking about these oral histories, you know, when I talk to my daughters, it's not the oral history of you being a victim. Mm -hmm. It's my oral history to go out Mm -hmm. there and say, there is nothing that you cannot achieve. And as a matter of fact, what does it say in Philippians 4, 13? I can do all things Mm -hmm. through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Mm-hmm. And so again, I think if this country can get back to its strong faith heritage, and I think if this country gets back to its fundamental principles and values, and and the Christian community has an important part to play today, because with all the pain that is out there right now, people are looking for us, the body of Christ, to be strong.
1: Mm. There's just so much richness in what you're saying, and, and um, so much depth, I I think about the gift that you had to have that two-parent home and that they gave you a worldview, right? They gave mm-hmm. you a filter that you could put that story through. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, I was raised by a single parent and I've become a single parent even against my own will,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? And that sometimes when you're just in survival mode that you don't either, you, you do the best that you can with what you have at the time mm-hmm. and you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. Right. And so um, I don't believe that that people are intending to pass on a tradition of trauma to their children. But it is the experience that they're having. And there's no grid. There's no worldview. There's no Mm -hmm. perspective Mm -hmm. that gives that um, kind of a boundary, because I Mm -hmm. think that's the thing about trauma is the feeling like it's never going to end. Yeah. in in loss with my husband, it's like, is this pain always going to be like this? And the feeling that it might be in and of itself is overwhelming and collapsing. And um, something I'd like to pick up with you in our next episode is just Um, How do we build that framework? How do we build that worldview? Because, you know, I just, um, I have a passion to bridge the gap between the public and the police, right? Mm -hmm. That the idea that, um, you know, that the public isn't safe and the police is out to get them, right? right? And, and both sides have have reasonable arguments have places of reasonable Mm -hmm. argument. And there's both sides that have blind spots. And, and need to do work to move towards mm-hmm. each other. And so when we pick up this next episode, would it be okay if we continue that and you kind of talk to me more about the framework in this next sure. oncoming episode? Sure. Everybody, thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Hopecast with Rachel Flick and my incredible guest, Colonel Alan West. He is the author of the book, We Can Overcome an American Black Conservative Manifesto and mr west where can people find you if they want to learn more about you or mm-hmm. get a hold of your content
2: it's all the social media platforms that are out there instagram facebook twitter uh Alan West uh for Texas and then also uh I work at a place a Christian Ministry Center called the Hope Center. Mm. And you can see me at the Hopecenter.org.
1: The Hopecenter.org. As the host of the Hopecast, I'm pretty sure that the Hope Center is a pretty amazing place. Everybody, thank you so much for joining me today at the NRB, and you can hear all the fun we're having in the background. You can connect with me at www.rachelflick.com and on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and pretty much everywhere else. Everybody look forward to connecting with you next week. Send me any questions that you have at contact at rachelflick.com.
0: You've been listening to The Hopecast with Rachel Flick. To find out more, go to rachelflick.com. While you're there, you can book Rachel for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will be sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. Go to rachelflick.com to book her today. While you're online, you can discover more information about all of the platforms that this podcast is on. Also, be sure to click on the social media icons at the top of the page, and you will be directed to Rachel's social media sites. If you listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, would appreciate if you would subscribe and leave us a review well that's all the time we have for this episode thanks for joining us and we will see you next time for another edition of the hope cast with rachel flick